This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Most everyone listening to this show right now knows that resilience is a key component in the workplace today. We can look at it from a very macro level, but what about being able to make minute, uh, minute decisions and strategy changes almost on the fly and still have them have an incredibly large and positive impact? That's the premise of a book written by former Olympian and Rhodes Scholar and speaker Bonnie St. John, along with her husband, Alan Haynes. Bonnie was a medalist in the 1984 Winter Olympics as a Paralympics ski racer. And it's great to have her on the show right now. Bonnie, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. I love this show. I listen to it in my car. Thank you very much. Great to hear. Um, I, I guess we need to take this back several years and, and start with your story. I guess around age five, it was uh, when, uh, when you lost a leg, correct? Well, it was the growth was stunted in my leg okay. when I was born, so okay. I had had braces and everything, but they amputated when I was five, and I got a new artificial leg and had to learn to walk again. But becoming an international athlete was not a natural trajectory from there. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and Right, exactly. And, and obviously with the growth of, of Paralympics over the last 20 years, it's, it's now uh, a, a, a phenomenal event. But in that day, how big was Paralympics, and and obviously, what were some of the challenges that you had to do to become that level of an athlete? Well, yeah, not only was <laughs> did I lose my leg and then become an athlete, but I grew up in San Diego and became a skier. And uh, <laughs> yeah, back. that that actually, that doesn't go along. <laughs> those two don't go together. <laughs> yeah, there was no snow, and on black, I'm actually the first African American to win a medal in Winter Olympics. Yeah. So there was no, you know, there was no sitting in San Diego thinking, yeah, I'm going to be the black ski racer. And what I say is the funniest part is my family didn't have any money. My mom was a single mom on a school teacher's salary. You know, we we didn't have money left at the end of the month. We had months left at the end of the money. I mean, and I mean that literally. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and uh, you know, so. It's one thing to go skiing with one leg, but it's really hard to go skiing with no money. <laughs> so what? It is. It absolutely. It's like trying to trying to let your kids play hockey these days. You need to be very wealthy to be able the to do time. that. Yeah. So as you move through your career, and obviously doing some of the things you did, and working for some of the companies that that you did, uh, some of what you write in this book probably was was kind of percolating along the way. Correct. Oh, absolutely. There's, uh, you know, resilience is very personal for me. And so, yeah, we're talking about mental resilience to imagine new things, physical resilience to, to learn how to walk, never mind, you know, become an athlete. And even uh, emotional or spiritual resilience. I, I, I talk in one of my other books about being abused as a child. I was, I was sexually abused from the age of two to the age of seven, mm. which you might think, well, that's going to affect your relationships, but it really affects everything. You know, sure, it, yeah. it affects your ability to uh, to network with people, to connect, to, you know, have self-esteem. And so, so I've really had to be emotional on, in powerful ways on all different levels. And so some of what I personally use and some of the research that I, I did uh, is definitely in this book. But then when we, when we wanted to deliver 
uh, tools for other people to be resilient. You know, people say, how can I be resilient like you? So we really scoured the literature to find the best things that would help people to be resilient across neuroscience and positive psychology, and which we have UPenn to thank for, and uh, uh, physiology and, and all different areas. And so it's a combination. The book is really a combination of things that, that really powerfully help me and then uh, doing the research to find additional tools and put the whole package together. And we've been working with people since 2011, putting them through this program, and right. so we've seen really powerful results. This, th- this is tested, research-based, very uh, as well as personal. But this idea of looking at it, not, not looking at it necessarily from the macro level, which is you know kind of a, a buzz phrase that a lot of people use, but looking at it, you've kind of come up with this idea of looking at it at a micro level. Yeah, we coined the term micro-resilience. And, and you're right. Uh, when you look at resilience research uh, that, that's out there beyond what we're doing, it's always about the big things, you know, rebuilding a town after a hurricane, yeah. or rebuilding your life after a divorce, you know, it's really big. And then you go, gosh, resilience is really hard. Yeah. But if you define it as small, how can I be more resilient in the next hour? Then it's very doable. It's also, you know, when you think about your audience and who's listening uh, to this channel, it's people who are competitive and people who are in business and entrepreneurs. And um, so what matters for them is not just rebuilding after a crisis, but how can I be more competitive? And that's really what micro-resilience, it's, it's really the research it came out of, too, is it's how to get that competitive edge. I, I will let you go through this next piece because you have put together five ideas, basically, that, that are the philosophies to, to, uh, to really kind of thinking this way. So uh, we curated the research that we did into five areas. So we came up with research-based tools to to help you get that extra edge, and yeah. we put it into five categories. So there's things that help your brain uh, to to get more resilience for your brain, which we call refocus, uh, reset, which is about not getting so triggered and hijacked by things that that set off our our emotions, but our fight or flight responses, our stress responses, is there's a whole physiological response. It's very draining yeah. and, and frankly counterproductive. So tools to, to mitigate that response, reframe our tools to strengthen your muscles for uh, towards the positive because we're not naturally endowed with that. So, so yeah. strengthening uh, that. Refresh, which is about uh, it's really simple stuff about your metabolism, just things you can do, again, to make sure you're not being sabotaged by your metabolism. And then renew is tapping into purpose. Uh, a lot of, you know, and entrepreneurs are so purposeful. Uh, we've worked with a thousand nurses last at the end of last year, you yeah. know, purposeful. But you still need to figure out how do you use your sense of purpose as like a fuel tank? Like, how can I go at three in the afternoon and get fuel out of my purpose? So that's that's what we do in that section. I wanted to talk about the reset part for for a second because seemingly as as we're here in in this society in the United States right now, but even to a degree around around the world, there are more instances of things that potentially can set people off that can trigger those alarms, and it feels like now it, it's it, it's far worse than maybe it was you know twenty or thirty years ago. It's, I, I agree, and it's ironic because in the world we are in now, it's, it's, not, it's, it's more not helpful <laughs> than right. it was 20 years ago. Right. And we're doing it more, and it's more not helpful. So um, our wiring as human beings, the out-of-the-box wiring we arrive with, is to be very reactive to 
negative to anything that appears as a threat to even the possibility. Even if it's not a reality and it never happens, we react to the possibility that right. it might happen. And it triggers our cortisol, our adrenaline, and, uh, you know, so it's exhausting. It also nar- it literally narrows your vision. We have increased errors. We make more mistakes when we're in that mode. Um, we're less likely to collaborate. We actually have less access to our prefrontal cortex, to our higher order thinking. You know, it's just, it's so the opposite of the way we need to solve problems today. Right. So when we're having that kind of a physiological reaction, uh, we're undermining our ability to, to be our best, to show up as our best performance. And so it's important to to learn to rewire that. And there's simple things that can trigger it. There's smells that cut through that physiological reaction uh, that you can use. And it's like cinnamon and vanilla and simple things. Yeah. Uh, there's research on labeling just is, is how we label what's happening to us. Uh, research, Matt Lieberman out of UCLA did the, the fMRI brain scans to show that you can reduce that reaction that way. So there's, there's a number of simple proven things that we can do. And to me, it's like getting an upgrade to your human operating system. We're joined on the phone uh, by uh, Bonnie St. John, who is the uh, co-author of the book Micro Resilience uh, with her husband, Alan Haynes. Your comments welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you're not able to get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. So then does the reset part kind of roll right into the reframe part in terms of your attitude because if you can if you can lean towards the positive more so than not you're you're taking away some of those things that that trigger those alarms it's actually true uh barbara Fredrickson did some research on if you can spiral to the positive you actually crowd out the negative so right. it's, it's almost like we don't have the resources to do both at the same time so if you can push yourself into the positive you could stop some of that negative spiral um, so yeah there's things we can do to stop the negative spiral and there's things we can do to strengthen the positive and, and again there's so much good research on if you can strengthen the positivity muscles for yourself and the people around you right. better teamwork people are better able to receive feedback uh, better generation of ideas it also correlates with higher incomes, uh, you know, so, so it seems so fluffy, like, oh, let's be positive. But uh, <laughs> if you look at the research on what the benefits of that are, there's some great work out of University of Michigan, too, Kim Cameron's work on how that plays out in organizations. And I, you know, and I think all of your listeners care that it's not just, hey, I'm going to say nice things to people today. It's how does this help me run my business better? Right. Uh, you the, the, go back to the refocus your brain for a second because I, I, I think a lot of people when they hear that they, they're they're like, well, how do I how do I go about doing that? Because a lot of people feel like you know you get into a pattern, you you live your life one particular way, and it's it's very hard to to make significant change, but. Uh, in your mind, though, there are ways to be able to do that. Yeah, and before we jump into that, let me just yep. say, out of all out of all this, in the book, we break it down into really simple, actionable tools that we have tested and used from CEO suites to call centers, you know, right. and just made it easy. <laughs> Neither of those people have any time, right? Sure, <laughs> it's yeah. It's important to be easy. Yeah. We did that. But what's more powerful than that is if you step back and you understand the science of what's happening in each of these frameworks, the science of how you can make your brain more resilient, you know, how you can uh, be less reactive. If you understand the situations and the science, which we go through in the book, you can start coming up with your own tools, too. You can use ours that are tested and easy right there for you, but you can also start to go, oh, this is how I do it. 
so with your brain, the main principle there, the main science is that our prefrontal cortex, the most advanced part of our brain, is a late add-on in an evolutionary sense. Right. It's not that big. It's not that, you know, and, and evolution hasn't caught up with how much we're trying to make our prefrontal cortex do. It used to be an occasional use, you know, and yeah. it's going to take another 100 million years for us to evolve a bigger prefrontal cortex. So what you want to do is understand the limits of your brain and, and use it, you know, use your best and highest brain for its best and highest uses. And when you get better at doing that, you get much better performance out of your brain. Does, does it, so that's the, that's the theory, and then we show you ways to do that. Does it feel like the, the, the understanding about our bodies and, and being able to use your body as, as a way to uh, kind of you know, refresh, as you use uh, in the book, that, that there is a greater understanding that that is such a key component right now? It is. And, and if, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business person, even if you're a stay-at-home mom you know, working from sunup to sundown, if you're trying to get a little bit more out of your day and be able to do it without, you know, being wiped out by it and destroyed, you know, if you want to be able to get through with more grace and ease, these, all these little techniques give you an edge. We're joined on the phone by Bonnie St. John. She is the uh, co-author of the book, Micro Resilience. Your comments welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And you've kind of alluded to it as, as we've talked here the last few minutes. But, I mean, this is something, these are, these are, these are some basic ideas that, uh, that it doesn't really matter whether or not you're an entrepreneur just trying to get an idea off the ground, or if you're summing, somebody running a Fortune 500 company. There's a lot of these that, that are just correlate to, to many people across a variety of spectrums. And, and I said it earlier, but I'll say it again. It's like an upgrade to your human operating system. Yeah. So a lot of things that we do on a day-to-day basis are not, uh, are not working. You know, it's, it's our out-of-the-box wiring was designed for one thing, but the challenges we're dealing with in today's world are, are different. So if we can use these techniques to rewire how we show up, yeah. it just works better. Pe- people who've worked with this program and gone through it say, wow, you're not trying to change me or, you know, stop me from working long hours or, you know, make me a different person. Yeah. You're just making me the, the best person I can be. I would think the the uh, the part about uh, your body and refreshing your body that was probably the the one that came most naturally to you right off the top because because of your background as an athlete. Well, you know what's funny you say it came naturally to me. I was I was with Amy Cuddy last night doing uh, a talk. We were comparing our books uh, at a big Facebook Live session, and we we both said, you know, you write the book that you need to learn. Okay. I don't write this because it comes naturally. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, I am the classic type A, you know, drive yourself until you drop and fall over and yeah. then say, see how tough I am? Yeah. And so the idea of doing these small recoveries along the way wasn't natural to me. I, I had to rewire my own habits to do it, but it, it lets me play my A game more. Uh, it, it, this, this came out of the research on tennis players, uh, the most winningest tennis players in, in the international matches do these kind of small recoveries along the way. Right. And, and so that was what inspired us. That research inspired us to look at how can the rest of us do what world-class athletes do. But it, it, I think there, there's also the idea, that, as you said, you're a type A personality, that we have more and more people leaning that way in general. And, and so that's why 
having this understanding becomes that much more important. If we're going to have more personalities like that, you, you need to be able to give yourself a break or give yourself a moment. Yeah, I, I like to call it like type A plus, you know, yeah. <laughs> like not not telling you to throttle back or, you yeah. know, do yoga for two hours, but is these small adjustments actually help you play your A game better. There, there was one woman we that went through the program, and she was a globetrotting executive, and she was in Zurich and Paris and working a million hours a week. And uh, she did the program because she wasn't getting good 360s, and she wanted to be a better leader. Right. And she had tried other things, but this really made a difference. But the side effect, she started dating. She hadn't dated in four huh. years. Yeah. You know, and so it, it brings you to a, a shift in better energy for your life as well as your work. How, how are you on multitasking? Well, in, uh, in the refocus, uh, using your brain better technique, we talk about that is that uh, probably many of your listeners know that the research on multitasking shows that it, it actually slows you down. It takes four times longer to do things when you're multitasking. Yeah. You, um, it's like losing a night of sleep or lowering your IQ. Uh, it, it's fine if you're doing something that doesn't require creativity, accuracy, or quality. <laughs> so, you know, if you want to fold laundry <laughs> while you're watching TV go for it. Sure. But but when you want to do something with quality, it's 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 going to impact you in a really negative way. So we talk about zones is carving out zones uh at, rather than saying, you know, just don't multitask. You're going to spend a lot of your life multitasking. But if you can carve out zones where you're where you're able to focus. People say it's it's like having more time because you can get things done faster. Right. And you know, some people can carve out three zones a day. Some people can only carve out three zones a week. Right. So it, it depends, but you, but thinking, using that as a technique to say, I'm going to do this and communicating to the people around you that this is what you're doing allows you to increase your focus. And, and, and I ask that because it seems like there are more and more either companies and or managers that are that are believing that multitasking is is a part of the natural process of being at the workplace these days. And I, I don't I mean, as you kind of alluded to, I think there are times where it may be a something that you can deal with, but I don't think it it should be a habit that people should be expected to have all the time. No, and I think good leaders should be communicating about communicating. And that if you if you spend a little if you invest a little bit of time up front communicating about communicating, you know, how can we get the information to each other that we need without constantly interrupting each other? Um, and, and other kinds of communicating about communicating. If you invest a little bit of time up front, you're gonna gain so much productivity on the back end. So if your if your leader's not smart enough to know this already, you know, sharing some share, share the book, share the yeah. micro resilience book with them and go, you know, hey, let's talk about how we can all uh, have more quality, creativity, innovation, and accuracy. But the other piece to this, I think, I think it, it does run all the way down from the from the C suite on down. And I say that because now more than ever. Uh, it, it feels like people are just busier in general. I mean, I know right. it personally. I'm a divorced dad, have three kids. They all play sports. You know, we want to get to their to their school stuff and make sure that they're doing great. You know, I've got this show. I mean, it's it's a, it, it feels like, and maybe you're in that same boat that it, it's a more complicated world that we live in. No, and that is one of the key motivators of why I wrote Micro Resilience is. The speed of life keep, it keeps increasing. I, yeah. I started being a consultant to companies over 20 years ago, and change was a popular topic back then. And you thought, oh, it, it's a fad. It'll, it, it will move. Yeah. 
it's it, it didn't stop. Change kept being important and important, and it's accelerated. And then it was sort of like change is not enough to talk about. We got to talk about something more. And the problem that it creates for us that you're describing in your life is that there's a balance between recovery and action. And if action keeps speeding up, we don't have time for the recovery and it gets out of balance, and that's why we get burned out. So what micro-resilience does is speed up recovery. So we can do yeah. recovery in small bits in an intentional way, in a research-proven way. Uh, it's intentional, it's focused, it's quicker. We can actually speed up the timing of recovery and, and help bring your life more back into balance. And doesn't put you potentially in a deeper hole, correct? Sorry, it doesn't put you in a deeper yes. hole? Yeah. Said, yeah. No, it, it helps you to, to match the pace of recovery and action right. better. Great to have you on the show, Bonnie. It's a fantastic book. I had a, a great time going through it. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Dan. Take care. All the best. Bonnie Bye. St. John, the book, by the way, which she wrote with her husband, Alan Haynes, Micro Resilience, Minor Shifts for Major Boosts in Focus, Drive, and Energy. It is a, it's, it's got a lot of good material to it, and it's great to have Bonnie on the show with us. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.